comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. It's time to vent, and this is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Bolton, and co-hosting me with, with me today is my wife, Carly House Bolton, for another edition of Mr. and Mrs. Aztec. You can follow us on Twitter at It's Austin Bolton and Carcar McGee. You can also follow Trone in the show at Aztec Breakdown. And last but not least... Please go rate, like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just want to note at the top of the show, you know, thanks for everybody that came came over and stopped stopped us and said hi last night at the game. It was super cool. Um, love getting to meet you know the people who do listen out there. And uh, yeah, come up. Let's talk. Let's talk about the game more there. I loved it. Yeah, that was that was maybe a highlight. Um, we're feeling kind of low today, everybody. I'm sure you can relate, but. Um... Yeah, Austin and I are taking this a little bit personally, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's just like, geez, like we are on a personal four-game losing streak right now. So we were in Maui. So we the last two games we saw there were Arizona and Arkansas. And then there was no weekend home games between that and when we went to Phoenix and saw the St. Mary's game. And then we were just like really fired up because we're like, all right, New Mexico at home, you know, let's let's get a win and that was not good last night. Yeah, that was really disappointing. I mean, we we got season tickets for the first time this year. We commute from LA, so like we were ready. Like this is the streak of conference weekend games where we're going to be at like all of them. We're going to come down Friday night for the Boise State game, but we're feeling a little jinxy. It's uh, it was our first game in our seats, so like. The BYU game, which we had our seats for too, obviously, we went with a bunch of friends. So, like, we ticket exchanged them so we could get five all together. And so we didn't sit in them in that one. So we waited until last night to sit in our seats finally just to just watch us get our butts kicked. And um, just, you know, it's just, it's just like, it really is just like frustrating. Like, this team is 13 and four. We are two and four this season going to games. I, I don't even know if that's statistically possible. It's not great. I mean, now granted, we went to all of the statistically toughest games on our schedule. So, you know, I think if any of them were likely to be losses, we picked those. Um, I'm ready to see a win, though. Like, it's just like last night was last night was really tough on my on my psyche for the basketball season. Like, it just I don't know. Like, it was just like it was really just so the negative. There was like you could feel the negativity last night and because of just like us just seeing a bunch of losses like i just woke up this morning being like sad yeah you know what i mean like we were we were i don't know i i'm not gonna speak for you but like we were both just like driving back to, back home today and just like quiet in the car it was just like silent <laughs> it's such a letdown i mean you know one of my other objectives which i think i've mentioned before is i am so looking forward to being a part of this community again and being able to like meet other aztec fans so like sitting in our seats for the first time i was ready to meet our seat neighbors be excited um have a fun time and just because of the nature of the game i mean as a side note, Austin and I are very vocal, very excited, very loud fans. So when things are going well, I'm sure it's pretty fun to be around us. When things are going tough, it might not be ideal depending on the type of fans you are. You know, 
as we all know, VA Haas is made up of varied sections of, you know, some of the loud fans, of course, the student section, some of the, you know, uh, let's call them older folks who maybe don't get as excited about the games, don't get as into it, don't scream at the refs, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, so it was definitely not a good entree into our new <laughs> community. If, uh, uh, hopefully they give us a second uh, second impression, right? They say the first impression is most important. Hopefully they give us a second chance. It was it was rough. I will say shout out to our friends, uh, Jess and Jared, who came to the game with us last night. They, you know, that was the silver lining of the game because we had a great time just like hanging out with them before and after. And, you know, definitely took the sting out of it after because we were just like hanging out afterwards. But um, the burrito was a highlight. Shout out Trujillo's, of course. That's a, a, a back to the early 2000s staple for us. I will just say, though, the place Eureka on campus, like not prepared for the rain. The service is unbelievably slow. And it's like they never anticipated an Aztec basketball crowd before. And it was just it's not my favorite place I've ever been to. <laughs> Highlight there, saw KJ Fagan and Nolan Narain having a little pregame snack. So that was fun. But, you know, it was full of Aztec people, but it was very weird. Um, you know, it kind of like that combined with the rain, the whole tone of the afternoon was not great. I will say women's basketball. Don't sleep on it. That was actually the highlight of the day because they kicked, they they beat Boise pretty good, and that was a fun game. And we were sitting right behind the bench. And um, yeah, if you don't have great seats for men's basketball, go check out a women's game. The tickets are six dollars, general admission. You can get right down there, you know, in some of those top seats at, in Viejas. And it was really fun. They got a lot of talent on the team this year, and they were they, awesome. they were playing Boise. They kind of kicked their butts. So yeah, I, I would say so. So just for context here, in 2019, 2020, Carly and I were still living in Boston. And the one game we went to that season was the UNLV game when we were 25 and 0. And we lost. We flew all the way. It was we were just like so excited. And that was the one game they lost. We have not reworn those shoes nope. to any game since, but we're still feeling pretty jinxy. Um, so Carly, on the scale of one to UNLV, how does this four game losing streak feel to you? Uh, I mean, it's, it's an eight maybe. I mean, it's been a bummer. It has been a huge bummer. It's just like, you know, the Arizona game is one thing I was, they were obvious, very obviously like one of the top five teams in the country. Arkansas was brutal. St. Mary's, a team we historically have dominated. Who's good, but you know, historically have done well against brutal New Mexico, who, you know, we have had some of our best games against, like, brutal. Like, they were all just so freaking brutal. And it just... I think, too... I think know, it's worse than the UNLV one. Because at least the UNLV one was such an aberration of the entire season. Like, it was like, oh, th th that's the one. Like, that was more of just, like, throw your hands up. Like, oh, this is just the one game that they're going to kind of lay an egg. And we've just seen four throttlings, you know, from teams that we, sh that we should be as good at or better as. And... I think it make. I honestly think it makes it worse. Yeah, um, that's fair. I, I think the other thing for me that made it harder was I was feeling pretty confident going into this game, being at I home. I was too. You know, most of the games we've been to this year outside of BYU were neutral site courts. So, you know, I was excited to be back in our, on our territory. I felt like we matched up on paper really well with New Mexico and we watched New Mexico play um, at Fresno, which was a game they lost. And just that's a based JV on version. that, that's a JV version of the Aztecs. Justin Hudson has them playing like a JV version of the Aztecs, and it's like, oh, this should be no, you know, we should, that that matches up well. But 
going to Fresno and kind of having a middle, you know, kind of dog days of the season road game against Fresno is different than going to San Diego with the, that type of game. That's just a different kind of get up for the game. And obviously the shows because House and Mashburn were incredible. Right. Well, and I don't think I really put enough mental weight into the idea that this New Mexico team was coming off that road loss at Fresno, which is a team they should not lose to, and a home loss against UNLV. Like, they needed this win. They, they had win. to make this statement or their season was, like, careening off track. It so was, they was, had a lot of motivation. It was getting to the point where, especially because their metrics aren't that good, like, that they, you know, they needed that win just so they can um, – you know, just so their season doesn't turn into three days in March and in Vegas, you know, and, you know, they showed out, you know, credit to them. They did, they did show out, but um, it's just, it's just like, I just, it's frustrating. And like, I just need to see a win. We, I mean, we have two more weeks until we get to go to another home game. Um, we'll test this hypothesis because we're not coming to Utah State. So hopefully that means yeah, we are. good Correct. stuff for the yeah. Aztecs. The Utah State game is the last game of the season we're not going to. So, um, you know, we'll see, but Utah State, that's going to be a big one too. And, you know, we'll get into Colorado State in a little bit, but um, just, we just wanted to have a little bit of a therapy session um, here at the beginning of this episode, but, um, and there will be some other moments where uh, we can uh, get a little bit more therapy in, but uh, let's get into the New Mexico game review here. Car, what's your headline? Aztecs stumble at home. And I just keep sticking on that word stumble because to me that's where a lot of this loss came into play was just these moments in time that felt out of character a little clumsy you know some of the the fast break break bad passes out of bounds uh some of the stupid fouls i think for me that was just like they were some, so bad in the first half yeah they it's were like somebody so who knows better half. just kind of fumbled and you know the good thing is I think we have all the ingredients to pick the pieces up, but that that's my headline. What about you? Wolfpack eats Aztecs, you know. I think they they played they played really well. Um well they're Lobos technically. Oh, I'm sorry. Lobos, sorry. Lobos eat Aztecs. Either way, you know, you know, props to New Mexico. They the Az, the Aztecs kind of did forced them what they wanted them to do and you know they had like five assists on 27 baskets but you know in the first half especially house was just getting to the basket at will he was just scorching whoever was guarding him uh mashburn hit big shots udeze you know 10 for 10 points 15 rebounds like their stars played like star i mean House is like the maybe the fastest guy I've seen. He plays fast, and you know most guys. You know we've seen some of our guys try to play that fast, but they only stay in control part of the time. And and he last night was showing that. I mean, anytime you have your two guards combined for fifty one points, you're probably not losing. Yeah, the it, fact that we even got close, I think, you know, with them two playing that lights out is is kind of wild. He was he was very good, and if they don't take that to heart when they go to the pit. I think I think Jalen House's life's gonna be pretty miserable when we come to the pit in February or whatever it is. So Yeah, February twenty fifth. But uh again, just you know, New Mexico played their game. Um they deserve to talk all the smack that they want. You know, they were they were good and just you know, they were they were really good. Props to Trone though. Trone was all over this. People were pretty highly confident going into this game, and Trone was all over the fact that this was gonna be a tough one for the Aztecs and um, you know, I, I thought they matched up well. I thought this was a good one for the Aztecs. Yeah, so I was dead wrong on that. But Trone was all over it. So 
we just have this perfect imbalance too. Like had both teams been kind of performing at the level we know they're capable, this would have been a tight game end to end. But, you know, for as well as the Lobos were shooting, the Aztecs were shooting poorly. And I think the Lobos just got a bunch more lucky bounces. Like they had some shots that like, I don't know how they went in and they were falling and falling and oh ours were god. doing the opposite. Oh my god, they only shot like 50%. In the first half it felt like they didn't miss. I asked Austin at one point if they were shooting 80%. Like that's what it felt like to me. It felt like they were making every basket. It was crazy. Like they were they didn't even shoot 46%. They shot 46.6%. In the first half they shot 48.5%. I swear to god it felt like they were just making I mean they were I mean Jalen House was I mean, he was making shots that were, you know, the guys were right in his face. He and, was falling over on several of them. And so, you know, that's just, it is what it is. But, um, well, not to uh, Udeze, their other kind of key contributor, had a double double. Like, I barely even noticed him in the game. And so to see those like solid contributions across the board. He's a, he's a very good player. The one guy they did do a good job shutting down was, was Alec, the guy from UM Kansas City or whatever. Um, he's a good three point shooter and they did a good, they did do a good job of shutting him down. He's kind of that fourth guy that they have after the first three. So, um, but yeah, just going to cherry pick some stuff from the box score here. So overall, I wanted to point out the Aztecs did kind of force them into ISO ball. They did slow them down a little bit. They weren't perfect on slowing them down and playing fast. Like there was a couple of times where we made a basket and the house just went straight to the basket and scored within like four seconds, but they did do a better job of slowing them down. Like I said, the Aztecs, or I'm sorry, New Mexico had five assists on 27 field goals. The Aztecs had 14 assists on 25 field goals. Usually if the Aztecs are able to force people into one-on-one basketball and then they are sharing the ball on the other end, that's usually a pretty good recipe for success for the Aztecs. And they they just, they it wasn't tonight. And that's, that's a, a weird microcosm of how they usually like to play. And it just didn't happen tonight. Well, and if you think about, you know, their ball movement, which I am, I will say is a silver lining. I love to see them doing that was generating them open looks and we just weren't making shots. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Darian Trammell was one of eight, over five from three, two for six from the line. People were out, there was chatter out there that he didn't look right. And I mean, the stat line proves it. I mean, he, he was, he was just not himself, not the guy that we were that he's been in other games. Uh, I thought he was going to lock house up the way he did Jared Lucas from Nevada. I really thought he could do the exact same thing, but House was a step quicker than Lucas made, and just he made Tremel into a freaking turn. He was a turnstile in that game. Um, you know, maybe he aggravated that leg injury again. I, there, someone said that he was wearing like a calf sleeve. Uh, yeah, I think Kyle mentioned that. And it was just, I, I actually agree that something was off. You know, this is not a guy who misses free throws. Like, you know, yeah. you can understand his struggles sometimes in the court when it's size mismatches and things like that. But for him to miss the free throws he missed, I think something was physically off with his body. So hopefully we either get some report or he bounces back from that because we need him, especially. I think his defense in Nevada was like one of the top three factors that won us that game. And so we need him back contributing on both sides. Yeah. And then, so the next, you know, Kashad was five of six, oh for four from the free throw line, but he had seven, seven rebounds, 10 points. I thought he played another good game with the alley-oop. <laughs> There's a couple guys around us that listen to the podcast. Um, 
both both said to me, oh, you got to see this one. I was fired up when they ran that on the second play of the game. That was awesome. That um, was a highlight for sure. We uh, thought it was, it was a, a, a sign omen. of good things to come, but... Uh... You know, and then um, Lamont kind of, you know, the three-point shooting definitely regressed back after they had been so good. You know, I think a key point to our team for the rest of the season is they got to shoot over 35% from the three-point three line, and they got to probably make 10. Tonight, they were 6 of 24 from the uh, three-point line. Um, yeah, I broke that down a little bit, and it was kind of interesting because, like, if you remove Adam Seco from that stat line, we were 3 for 19. And that's with guys that have been red hot, Tremel, Butler, Bradley Parrish. Those four players combined went three for nineteen. Yeah, I would so, say Parrish has not been red hot lately. And although he had a couple nice little where he made a play for himself, dribbling, you know, kind of taking a couple dribbles, you know, he's offensively he's lost right now, and he's got to kind of find himself and get back into rhythm. Um, interestingly, Jaden Ladee played twenty three minutes. He had two shots. He had three rebounds, two assists. Um, I thought he was kind of invisible, although he did play much better defense. Where we kind of talked about, like he's definitely probably not the strongest defender of the big guys. I thought he did play pretty good defense, but offensively, you know, they did get him one open jump shot. And that's like the only thing I actually remember from him on the offensive side. So we liked the shot. It didn't go in, but it was but a nice little shot, move yeah. to get open. And so, you know, he'll just have to keep grinding. It, to me, it felt like Seiko didn't start shooting until the second half, which I think is unfortunate because, you know, firstly, he was the only guy that was hitting threes. Um, you know, but I've said all season, like I'm big time team Seiko. I hope he keeps shooting. I hope he shoots more. Um, you know, I felt like there were moments in this game where we were a little rattled and he is somebody I've always looked to, to kind of calm the group down. Um, and I just think it was a little, too little too late. Yeah. I I'll get to that in a second, but just, you know, quickly, Matt Bradley was five of 16 for 14 points. That's just terrible efficiency, but you know, he's, you know, he even admitted after the game he should have been attacking the guy. He Alec was guarding him the four. They tried to put some length on him, and he admitted after the game he settled for too many, too many threes and too many long twos. And he should have been attacking him more at the rim. Um, but you know, he did have five assists and he was doing a good job distributing the ball, especially when they took Tremel. Tremel didn't really play too too much in the second half, and um, Bradley was kind of that facilitator. Um, but to your point about rattle, you know, just like getting rattled. And like having a guy that's kind of the soothing presence when things get tough is a Gwekka rope. And mm -hmm. my my word, did they miss a Gwekka rope tonight? It was so noticeable. It, it was so noticeable. Like they needed, I tweeted this out. They just needed five minutes from him in the second half. That's all I need. They just needed him to kind of be that guy, be that spark, be the guy that's just out there that, you know, they all like playing with them. And uh, it's really unfortunate he tweaked his groin. And I wasn't able to go because they really, really missed AG tonight. Yeah. Really missed AG. That was a difference maker for sure. I mean, so if anyone follows us individually on Twitter, you might know that for my birthday, Austin got me the teal game-worn AG jersey from the auction. And it's like the my prize possession. And this was my game. I was wearing it. Talk a about. bunch of people shouted it out. They knew exactly what it was. That's kind of how they knew who we were. Um, Again, just talk, just talk about just like... Bad luck. What the hell, man? Like, like for him to not play on the game when I showed up repping him, I was so excited. You know, we... I just... Man, we missed him, his versatility, his, you know, leadership that I just hope that this is injuries, nothing serious, and that he can go against Colorado State. Yes, um, I agree. And I just, we just needed five minutes from him last night. And, it, you know, 
especially once Nathan went out, which I'm going to get to shortly here. <laughs> um, so with that, we're going to move on to Homer and Hater. Just you know, two two thoughts. Um, you know, they could they can be just you know. They're just emotional, short, in-the-moment thoughts that, you know, may not even be right, but it's just kind of how you feel in the core, one on the Homer side, one on the hater side. Um, Let's start with the hater side. Carly, what do you got? You know, what I think this last week of basketball, and I'm talking across the conference, has told me is that I hate the Mountain West cannibalism. Like, it is just such an uphill battle for any decent team in this conference to get the credit they deserve because they we just punch each other in the face and it's so frustrating. Uh, you know, it's UNLV lost to CSU last night in overtime, and it's just these things that like metrically poke holes in our in our stats, and it's so frustrating to watch. And and you know, a lot of people have called out kind of in calming the the emotions after this game that like this is what this conference does, and that you know us losing to New Mexico is kind of like the lesser of many evils. There's some grenades out there in the Mountain West that could show up on a bad night. But I just, you know, coming off of this one, I'm just frustrated with the league and how we always do this to ourselves and that there are teams who, you know, are really pretty good that are not going to even have a glance at the tournament because we're just, you know, bashing each other. Yes, I, that's, I agree. Um, It's, the conference is just, you just, there's no easy road games. And like, there's just all this stuff out there. I mean, I guess Colorado State was was on the road at UNLV and Stevens hit a just a crazy shot. If you haven't seen that on like that clip of that shot he made, go check that out. It's pretty wild. Looks like a pass, not a shot, but yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, hopefully the top cream of the crop teams can keep their net ranking as high as it is, maybe get some quad one wins and it doesn't really affect them too much. So you know, when the when the committee looks at the teams from the Mountain West, you know, they they are rated higher as a conference. They we can get multiple bids, but some of the stuff where it just, you know, the lower level teams, you know, sneak one, like somebody's gonna lose in Laramie. That's at the top top of the conference. Like that's probably gonna happen because it's a hard place to play. Um and it's just well, Air Force beat Colorado State at home in the last week. Like what is happening? Yeah. I just, yeah, it, it's frustrating and it's something I won't miss should we move on conference-wise. Not going to win. <laughs> I say my, my my hater is just, I I worry that this team has a lack of killer instinct. Mm. Like they're very talented, but they don't carry themselves. Like Jalen House carried himself like he was the best player on the court last night. I don't see that from this team. Like I just don't, I don't see it from this team. And I think that comes into like the real hard, like it's this team has a hard time closing yeah. and it's because like if they don't have like there just needs to be someone out there that's like we are better than you we are better than you and we are closing this game out and you're not getting the ball from us with your tacky press and i just i think this team lacks that a little bit i mean look at like thames Xavier that's exactly thames. who i was thinking of he, in my head right now he, my twitter picture is like him at the end of a utah state game and like i think it was the mountain west tournament where he's mean mugging them because he was the best guy out there yeah Matt Mitchell, Matt he kind of did the same thing. Kawhi. Billy White. You think Billy White didn't think he was the best guy on the floor on that team? Like, they're, this team is uber talented, and when they're rolling, like, they kind of got there a little bit. And I think Tramel can be that guy, but when you go one for eight, then it kind of loses all momentum on that. But, like, Lamont seems like a really nice guy, and he's a good basketball player. And, like, he definitely has the skills and likes to, you know, 
Kashad, I think it's kind of the same thing. I, you know, it's just like, I want one guy to step up and just be like, be like, Hey guys, we are the best team in this league. Let's act like it. Yeah. And I think that this team, it just comes up over and over again where they slide back and they, they're relying on their, they're just, they don't have the right instinct, just that killer instinct to just like, we're better than you. And just, we're taking care of business. And yeah, I don't Matt, know. Matt Bradley's got to be that guy. Like he's got to find that. And like when he's been rolling with the confidence, he gets close. And then he misses free throws at the end of the game. Yep. And it's, then he kind of like, you know, it's, he's a good free throw shooter and he just misses him at the absolute worst times always. Um, so we'll move on to the Homer. I want to go second cause mine's longer. So um, Carly, go ahead and uh, give us your Homer. So for me, you know, I think again, going back to the volatility of our fan base, you know, as soon as we drop a game like this, you just hear people calling the hashtag fire Dutch. And, you know, I think sometimes it's said in jest, but people are pissed at the coaching staff. And I have to say, no, Dutch is my guy. And, you know, what really kind of made me feel that way today in particular is listening to him on John Schaefer last night after the game. I felt like for the first time this season, and we always listen to that press. I listen to like the Twitter press conferences after our losses in Maui. Like I listen to that stuff. This is the first time where I felt like he was frustrated with our team and our execution. Because a lot of times, you know, he gives a lot of credit where it's due when other teams play well against us, when they're shooting lights out, where we have, you know, not necessarily excuses, but, you know, he has explanations and reasons for, you know, the different dynamics we've come across. And this was just like, he went a little bit hard on Tramel particularly for missing open shots. And Mensa. For- and he went hard on Mensa for the reach, which will lead into Austin's rant. But, you know, I think that they're going to be fired up after this. You know, that whole team, every single person on that team is going to be, is devastated by that loss. They're going to, you know, bounce back and they're going to all be totally laser focused on that. But what I heard from Dutch in that interview made me feel really confident that he is going to center them and get them focused. So, you know, that might be an unpopular opinion. I know people like to to scapegoat the coaches. Like, Dutch wasn't missing free throws. You know, he does everything within his power to set them up for success. And at a certain point, there's some execution stuff that just has to happen. So Dutch is my guy. I trust him to right the ship. And that's my Homer take today. What about you? I, I will just say just before I move on, Dutch Dutch has Dutch has done a good job. And I think if we went to the tournament when they were 30 and two have some wins, he'd probably have a little bit more leeway. He has had some some warts, I would say, this season, especially at how long it took him to start calling plays and you know, kind of maybe micromanaging this team a little bit more. Also, he hasn't, they haven't figured out how to use Jaden Ladee in any kind of meaningful way outside of a couple games. So, you know, I don't think he's without criticism this season either. But that, with that being said, you know, he's still, you know, they're still getting top guys. They're still winning much more than they're losing. I mean, his record is, his record in his six seasons as coach is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, if we do get the, I, I'm curious to see, like, if we do get the promotion up leagues, like, what with that new budget, you know, how can he put that into play? Because, you know, I think um, Bill Rear um, put something out there uh, about just like, I think the Aztecs have the 90th biggest budget in the country at like $5 million, where like Gonzaga has like a $10 million budget. Like, wow. it'll be interesting to see like if we do get more money because of our conference alignment, you know, what they can kind of do with that. But I, I agree, you know. We're not, we're not moving on from Brady Hope. We're definitely not going to move on from Brian Dutcher, but 
Brian Dutcher has a much, much more legs to stand on, in my opinion, than Brady Hoke. So um, I do, you know, I do agree with you. Although there has been some, some words this season, I would, I would say. Well, I want to counter one small thing you said before we move on only about Jaden. And I agree that like they need to figure out how to use him, but coach has made some comments too, that like he's expecting X, Y, Z from Jaden. And I think, you know, people have touched on it. It's probably on the defensive end that like, that's why he wasn't getting more minutes and that's that's first and foremost. So, you know, he's not going to rewrite the way he runs his team for a guy that maybe, you know, maybe he's waiting to see some more stuff in practice or, or on defense. So I just want to kind of like make that point because Dutch is very um, subtle, I think, sometimes in what I wouldn't even call criticism, but in how he shares the the things that he's focused on improving. And, and that's one I picked up on too. So fair enough. Um, All yeah. right. Your turn. Homer. Okay. okay. So I will just preface this that my rant might get an expletive tag on Spotify on this. If you're listening with your kids, sorry in advance. If you don't like swearing, also sorry in advance. But that is, I'm giving you a fair warning because, so I'm going to give two kind of fair warnings in the front. And one is about the swearing that's about to happen. And the second is that I'm usually not this guy because I think in the end, when it comes to this topic, it generally evens out and it is what it is. But Last night, the refereeing was fucking horrible. It was fucking Bush League, and it was maybe some of the worst refereeing I've ever seen. Now, let's start in the first half when Lamont Butler's second foul was a phantom foul. Like, I, I didn't see it. He was kind of riding the guy's hip. He was running with him. Like, I don't know how in the world that, you know, that happened. But you know what? Those kind of calls happened. It was a little ticky-tacky, but it was, it was bad. In the second half, just what in the world are these guys thinking out there? Like, so the first one, which I'm sure you guys are all aware of, is the Nathan Mensah foul. He, he reached, it looked pretty iffy to me. In a game that was as heated as that game was, for them to call a technical foul when a guy has four fouls, their job with technical fouls is to control the game, right? Like if somebody gets demonstrably upset or pushes somebody or oversteps a line, like that's when you tee him up. You don't give a guy a technical foul when he's going to get a per- when he's going to get his fifth personal. When he was just kind of reacting to the call, and it was in the heat of like the actual moment. It was they called that technical within like two point one seconds of the original call. It's not like he was berating him for twenty five seconds, yeah, following him off the court. Or like something. what the fuck was that? That was so egregious. And then because they knew it was egregious, they gave Jalen House a technical when he was like, you know, talking a little trash to the fans. And you know what? Being the villain on the road when you hit big threes, have fun with it. That's basketball. And for them to call those two technicals, one of which was an obvious makeup call, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, what a what a just horrible, horrible job of managing the game. There's ways to manage the players out there without giving them quick technicals on when one guy is visibly frustrated because he picked up a fourth foul and like his teammates were calming, actively calming him down when they put the, you know, just saying, Hey, stay focused. And then they called the makeup one where the guy's having a good time because he's having an awesome game. Like those two technicals were just so pointless other than the fact that it, our, our best defensive player was out for the last eight minutes of the game. And it was a five point swing, like just unbelievable. It was just such unprofessional officiating like i know you know i know that job is hard but 
there are ways to handle that situation in a game that was super heated than just t- giving a guy a technical within a second of like within a second of calling a foul like that is ridiculous and then the the other game changing one is when they do kind of crawl back Matt Bradley, that's an and one. That's an and one in fourth grade basketball. He was taking a step to go up with his shot. Hit the ball was already collected. For them not to call an and and one on that was it's just what are you looking at? Like that is in the NBA, that's a that's an and one 10 times out of 10. In college basketball, that's an and one probably eight times out of 10. It's it's those were game changing plays. Game changing plays. And Again, I'm. It usually balances itself out, but last night, whoever that crew was, and apparently, from what Mark Ziegler said in his article, is like they've rarely ever refed an Aztecs game before. Like, who are these guys, and what the fuck are they doing assigned to our games? Like, the Mountain West just can't get can't. You know, it's a marquee game, and they have referees throwing out marquee players for something that was said a second after they made a questionable call. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. It was bullshit. It was bullshit last night. It's bullshit now. And it just, it's, it's so frustrating when you have these big games and it's heated and it's good TV, like you want it to be. And then you have the referees deciding that they want to stick their hand in the game and show up and say, Hey, look at me. I'm going to throw out your best defensive player because the, he was upset right after I made a questionable call. Like that is, that is just such – that's baseball stuff. That's stuff baseball umpires do, and we, that's not something I want to see in college basketball. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. Did I scare you there? <laughs> that I, I'm sorry. I did that. I've, I, I, again, I'm not usually the referee's person. that can, Like, that's Carly. Carly's usually the ones all over the refs. I was so furious. Like, I was as mad as I've ever been at refs at a game before. Like, it was so Bush League. You know, it's, it is, I think the defining piece of it all is how much it actually impacted the outcome of the game. Because, you know, like Austin said, I get mad at the refs all the time. You know, I don't think our team ever fouls and I think they're always getting fouled. Um, But I think generally, as he said, things tend to even out and one call rarely has that much influence. But I agree that I think that technical foul called against Nathan Mensah was the dagger in our in in us for that game? I think we had that not happened. Had even he just picked up the stupid fourth foul, I think we had a real chance to win that game. We had all the momentum in that moment, and it was the first time we had the lead all night. And I will say, not having AG in that moment was probably the part that hurt the most in that eight minutes. You mean to co- yeah to, to come, come in, in for, for him, him? That would have been the other piece that and, gave us hope. And but. look, I don't think the refs were the sole reason they the Aztecs lost this game. I mean, they shot six for 24 from three. That's, that's not going to cut it against a good offensive team. There's point, you know, Micah Parrish was minus, Micah Parrish did not have a good game. He was minus 14. There are plenty of other reasons why, but I just thought let the player like they, in that instance, the refs did not let the players decide the game. The refs decided that they were going to input their own opinions on the matter. Like you don't need to call a technical foul there. You don't need to call a technical foul there. Like you just, if you ever knew Nathan Mensah, like and seen anything, you would know that like him getting upset is such a rarity, and you would probably you know probably let him a little little bit of leash. Like I'm personally surprised Matt Bradley has got more technicals to be quite honest because he he likes to talk a little bit out there and and that's fine to the refs. I mean and you know and he but he he never crosses the line. But you know if you know anything about Nathan Mensah, you know that's pretty 
out of character. Eric, not I don't want to call it out of character because he's allowed to be upset if he thinks something's wrong. But for him to have that kind of outburst, he usually really, has more really, boys though. Is really, why it's out of character. Like he knows as a senior. I just think that just shows how questionable the other call was. But for him to actually show out like that is very rare for him. And I think in a moment in a game that was really in, in, at that particular instance, just very high energy and very high emotions, like give the guy some freaking grace. Like what, like, why are you, why are you putting, why are you deciding on that with a technical foul there? Like, that's just not the place for that. And I, and I highly doubt Nathan Mensah said anything or was overly demonstrative in a way that really, really, truly warranted one right there. It's not like, again, I'm going back to the point. It's not like he was following him around the court for 15 seconds, like begging for a technical foul. Like it was 2.1 seconds after they called the initial, like they called the foul, the reach, and they instantly teed him up right there. It's not like he was just like heart, like just like blowing a gasket for 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. I'd be interested for folks that watch the game on TV to kind of hear what the take was from that perspective. I mean, we were up in the stands, but I think the other impact that had was really just on, you know, it deflated the energy of the crowd, which, you know, having oh come God. back to take that one point lead, Viejas was rocking. It was exactly the energy that the Aztecs thrive off of. That's what was going to carry them forward in that moment. And when that pivoted to like booing the refs, I felt like there was there was not yeah. a chance that the crowd was going to be able to like get back with that rebuild. It was like too infuriating. It. I was not the only one upset at the referees. I mean, we were just just annihilating those refs. They were just boo. We were just boo boo like the whole rest rest of the game. Like they were. I just. It was I, again like for people that listen watch baseball. Like that was some baseball shit. Um, baseball umpires love like dancing around, making emphatic calls, making themselves part of the game. Like that was some baseball shit. Like get that out of that. Get that out of basketball. But, you know, I don't, I just don't, I didn't find that to be just professional refereeing in my opinion. So anyways, just whatever. I I will say, you know, before we move on from this game, because I think we're ready to, and we need to, you know, mentally and emotionally, um, you know, you touched on the free throws being kind of the other dagger, you know, outside of the refereeing. Of course, it comes down to our, you know, shooting percentages and then, you know, the fundamentals of basketball, which is, you know, free throws. And what's curious, I kind of tally, okay, there's a five-point swing around the Nathan play. And then when you look at our stats around the free throw shooting, there was New Mexico made five more free throws. So they had five more points on free throws. We shot about the same number of free throws. They had 22, we had 21. And, you know, those two things combined, had those gone a little bit differently and we shot the same amount as them, tie game. You know, we're back even, we're back ready to like duke it out. So, you know, what a factor there, you know, really uncharacteristic of guys like Tramel. You know, Bradley's been improved a lot, I think, on the free throws this year. You know, he had a couple of moments, but it goes back to what Austin was saying about those high pressure moments just we struggle he has not been good in those moments and he admits it like i mean geez after the creighton game that poor guy put it all on the line in that press conference because and he knew it and he took he said it and he talked about it and you know i i give him a lot of credit for that but still high pressure moments like the free throw, his free throws aren't going in um which is tough which is which is tough and it's you know it's a good back to like they just need that one guy yeah well, you know, Matt did did the post-game interview, too, with John Schaefer, and he kind of, you know, took accountability, which was great. 
and, you know, said, you know, we're going to live to see another day of basketball. So, you know, just, I think it's great that the players are going to take that mentality and that's some leadership he can show is like, all right, that's a game. We dropped a game. It's tough loss. We got to bounce back because what we can't do is let one loss turn into two. So let's let that lead into our, uh, little preview of the CSU game coming up this Wednesday. Yeah. So, uh, Colorado. So just before we get to Colorado state, the Aztecs are now 31 in both Ken Palm and the Nets. Um, so dropped, you know, dropped what we kind of expected to, but you know, can, can, you know, get some good wins and, Get back on the right uh, path, but Colorado State is 115 in the net and 108 in Ken Palm. So this is a gr- technically a grenade game. Uh, would be a quad. I think this would be quad three. Technically, I'd have to look uh, specifically where that falls, but I think it's quad three. They are 10 and nine overall, two and four in the league. They're so they're the numbers that stuck out to me when I was digging through their Ken Palm is they have an adjusted defensive efficiency of 105.6, which is not good. They are a literally the worst offensive rebounding team in the country so you know they don't they don't get any offensive rebounds really and they love moving the ball they have the best uh they have the eighth best assist to field goal made percentage in the country so you know if the aztecs can force them to just like have stevens jack up shots and not move the ball it's going to be one possession you know one shot possessions every time because because Colorado State doesn't have offensive rebounds. They don't get any. So if we can force them into some, you know, do what the Aztecs like to do and force them into taking just, you know, hard shots where they're not moving the ball, they're going to get the rebounds and they're going to be able to get kind of out in the break. I think that's going to be kind of the recipe here. Uh, they're definitely, you know, they're definitely going to lock in on Isaiah Stevens, who, you know, all all conference player coming coming off an injury, which was disappointing to hear that he had at the beginning of the year, just from a conference perspective. Um, but you know, they're gonna have to go to Fort Collins. It's only an hour south of Laramie. So, you know, there's it's about 3000 feet lower in altitude though. So hopefully that helps a little. Yeah. But it's still a hard place to get to, right? It's still, they're still going to charter in and out of Fort Collins. Um, which but. I think bodes well with the turnaround to Air Force on Saturday. You know, getting the fact that we're using our charters strategically, I think is smart, you know, get those guys home, get them sleeping in their own bed. So. Definitely. Any any thoughts on Colorado State uh, that you that you've seen when when getting ready for this? Yeah, I mean, really, this team's just been hot and cold. It's hard to really get a pulse on who Colorado State is this year. You know, they're really trying to find their footing in the post David Roddy area uh, era, and he, you know, they've been missing him. So there's been games when Stevens has been hot, and they've you know played really well and won. And then there's been games where we watched most of uh, the CSU Colorado game. Um, which is a big rivalry, so obviously that tense it was at, at Boulder, um, but they looked terrible. They got rocked in that game. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, they got beat at home by Air Force. So, you know, that says one thing. But then on the flip, you look at this just last night's overtime women against UNLV where they gritted that out. Yes, Stevens got kind of lucky on that bank in three from like half court to he, tie it. But He like shot that like you would throw in a pass in soccer from the side. Yeah. Like he kind of like threw it over his head. It was, it was crazy. Seriously, go check it out. Yeah, it was wild. But, you know, and then the other, I think, real key comparison, which I, you know, I want to dig into a little bit more is this Colorado State team beat St. Mary's in Phoenix at that. The Colangelo Classic had kind of a multi-part uh, sessions this year. So they played about a week and a half later um, than the Aztecs played St. Mary's in Phoenix, but they took on that same team and beat them. Uh, it was a close game, but you know, to me, that's a, another apples to apples matchup that we can dig into a little bit um, as we look to, towards Wednesday's game. But, you know, with CSU, you, you kind of don't know what you're going to get. So. Yeah. Another thing that I'm just looking at here about CSU is um, 
They give up the 300th worst three-point percentage on defense. So if there was ever a game for the Aztecs to bounce back off from the three-point line, um, it's against Colorado State. They give up 36% uh, 36 from the three-point line, uh, which is good for 299th in the country. Um, And any... And they also don't get any steals. They get eight steals a game, or they get 8.9 steals a game, which is good for 205th in the country. So their defensive metrics are pretty rough. Uh, so it'll be a good game for the Aztecs to try to get back going on the offensive end. And then, you know, they just they just don't have the weapons that they used to. Like Carly said, they're really, you know, you know, losing a guy like David Roddy, who personally I I love David Roddy. I every time we play that, I'm like, God, I wish this guy was an Aztec. Like, I just love. Hey, hey, hey. David Roddy 2.0 with Elijah yes, Saunders. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> that's, what we think, that's what we think we're going to see. Yes, ma'am. So, but you know, they just they just don't quite have the firepower they did. So, you know, they just really got to you know lock in on Stevens. You know, I think Lamont will probably be on him all night. Um, but they got some. You know, they got some other guys here. Um, yeah, John Tanjay, which is not a player I'm familiar with, is actually leading them right now in points and rebounds. So that'll be someone to pay attention to. Yeah, and then they also have Patrick Cartier, who has an offensive rating of 115, and Tevante Jackson is another guy that has a, and Isaiah Riviera. But all those guys have pretty good offensive, offensive ratings. Um, but you know, everybody everybody knows that the, the key to that team is Isaiah Stevens, and so you know we are we're going to have to really lock him down going into that game uh, Wednesday night, 7:30 CBS Sports Network. I think CBS Sports Network. Oh, FS1. FS1. Sorry. So 7.30 Pacific, FS1. Um, hey, there's a good crowd of uh, Aztecs in Colorado. So, you know, I know there's some guys planning on showing up to that game. If you live in the area, check it out. You can also go to Air Force. Pretty easy to get to and from those places if you live in like Denver-ish. So uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit of red and black in that uh, hostile Moby Arena. As someone from the mountain regions, which place is cooler, Fort Collins or Colorado Springs? Uh, like as a town? Yes. Fort Collins, absolutely. It's a pretty cool place. Um, I mean, I like Fort Collins, but I've never been to Colorado Springs, so I didn't know. I haven't been there that much. I mean, where Air Force plays is not really like in the city of Colorado Springs either. It's really beautiful in both places, but uh, definitely if you wanted to like have a fun evening of it, uh, there's Colorado State is probably the game to catch. So get out there and cheer for your Aztecs. Yeah, it's too bad it's a Wednesday because yeah. it seems like that'd be more the more weekend one. That's but, true. But if you could make it go. Um, and then, you know, Utah State's next home game next Wednesday, 25th, right? I think that's the next home yeah, game is January against Utah 25th. State, um, which is going to be a challenge. It's just going to be, that's, you know, they're good. They're, you know, Ashworth is, I, I don't have it in front of me, but the last time I saw Ashworth was shooting like 53% from three. So, you know, we got some big games coming up and they're going to be hard ones. And, you know, they the Aztecs are going to have to show just how much more talented they are at offense in Colorado State and really just exploit their lack of defensive presence and shut down Stevens. And, you know, just you have to, you know, the next game is always the biggest game and you got to go 1-0. And I think that's kind of where the Aztecs are at right now. And, you know, just got to, they just got to, you know, build another winning streak. You know, they need to, they need to rip off six more in a row. I think that's, that's kind of where the season's at. Um you know, I think personally, my expectations are not what they were at the beginning of the season. You know, at the Sweet Six, you know, at the beginning of the season, I would have been like, oh, if the Sweet 16, if this team doesn't get the Sweet 16 team, it's a failure. Um, yeah, I'm not in that boat. And I, you know, I don't think that this team is what we thought. And, um, you know, just got to keep racking wins so we can get as good of a seed if we can get into March as possible. And, you know, just, yeah, just keep racking up wins. That's the most important thing right now. Hoping we're going to get AG back on Wednesday. We'll cross our fingers for that. And uh, like you said, one game at a time. 
one game at a time. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, go Aztecs. Keep rooting these guys on. They still need it. They still really feed off the energy. But yeah, any last thoughts? Go Aztecs. Let's get those Rams. Let's get those Rams.